0: All right, let's get going. We got another Real Estate Minute on the I Am Salt Lake podcast feeds. We are joined by Nate and Eric from AEI Decon, as well as my co-host here, TJ, from Cross Country Mortgage. I always forget well, to introduce you. No you, worries, man. I'm
1: just part of the family. You, well, you are. You are, you <laughs> know.
0: Um, we have Eric and Nate today. We're going to find out about meth mold and hoarder cleanup. Do you guys have to clean up
2: for a lot of hoarders? It happens, yeah. Yeah? There's There's some stories we can tell.
0: Yeah, have any of the people that you had to help clean up, have they made it onto the TV show hoarders?
3: No, they probably were too gross for that show.
1: Really?
0: So how long have you guys been with AEI? How long have you each individually been? Um,
3: I've been in this business for 15 years, but I've been with AEI for six, seven years now.
0: So you've been with it in the industry then for
3: a while. Yes. So you've seen a lot. A little bit too much sometimes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Eric's the real voice of reason, experience, and wisdom in this outfit. Yeah. I've been with the company for about four years. And what does uh, what is your role with the company? What, uh, what do you do like day to day? I mostly stay out of Eric's way. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I run most of the operations during the day. Take phone calls, do bids, visit houses, talk with clients, do testing, test cars, trailers, houses, everything.
0: Very cool. And then in the services that you offer for listeners uh, that might be curious, it's just like I mentioned at the beginning, meth mold and hoarder cleanup.
2: Yep. Meth, mold, hoarder, anything that's... Um, if you're ever asking yourself the question, should I just burn this house down? There's a good chance that we can help you not have to do that.
0: Has that really been a question for people? Have they asked, like, does this house need to be burned down?
2: Oh, I get that question all the really? time.
1: Really? Yeah. turned t- tore down the studs?
2: Yeah. like Almost always someone calls and says, hey, I'm trying to buy this house and we did our home inspection and it came back positive for meth. So now what do we do? Do I just like burn it down? Can you even... Can you even do anything about that? Can you even clean it up? So we don't actually offer arson as a service. We looked into that, but there's some insurance
1: problems.
0: (laughs) So would you recommend people listening, uh, would you recommend everybody to get their house tested for
2: meth? Oh yeah, definitely. There are places in the world where it's mandatory now. Really? Like Australia, New Zealand, a couple of countries in Europe, every time that a house changes occupancy, you know, tenants leave or you buy or sell a house, it's mandatory to do a meth test amongst other health checks.
0: But it's not mandatory here in Utah.
2: Nope. Not not mandatory in Utah. Not mandatory anywhere in the United States. They're definitely recommended. I mean, I guess the problem is probably more widespread than most people think. Yeah. And part of it has to do with what is considered an acceptable level of contamination. That threshold is really low. And we can get into those technical details. It's kind of fun a little bit later if you want. But uh, there's a, a statistic that I saw that's maybe seven or eight years old now from the CDC saying that they estimate one in 10 homes are contaminated. Really? Yeah, so when you drive say, home, this, say that number again. How many? One in one in 10 homes are wow. contaminated with methamphetamine. Wow. So you know as you're driving home tonight, and you're going down the street, start counting. One, two, three, four. You know, but, oh no, it's those guys. I know which house it is. Right.
1: <laughs> so what what would it take for a home to be considered contaminated?
2: So in Utah, the magic number is one. Okay. And that's the level it's 1.0 micrograms per 100 centimeters squared. There will be a test on that later, so write it down. Cool, gotcha. And
0: is
1: that is that like
0: <laughs> like how much meth is being used at that level usually? Just someone kind of smoking it, or it's just in the house? Or I mean, full ha- lab. Like
3: what? That's a little more frequent of a use at a 1.0. Anything under that's a little less frequent, but at 1.0, they found that it's a little more frequently of being used inside the home.
0: What's the number? Is there like a like a forty or something? Is that like a that's like a meth lab, right?
2: You know, we don't see a whole lot of labs in Utah anymore. Typically, when there is a lab, it's going to test in the hundreds okay, on that yeah. scale. So one is the limit. And you can get to a one, depending on how the house is set up, by smoking just once. Because, So
0: I was actually telling TJ this before you guys got here. A couple of years back, my wife and I were in the process of trying to buy a home. We found, a, we thought, the perfect home. Beautiful home. You would have never guessed it, it uh, testing positive for meth. Uh, but we decided, let's get a meth test. I mean, this is a big purchase. Mm. We got the meth test, expected it to come back negative because you would have never thought. But it came back like in the 40s or 50s. Sure. And uh, I swear at that time, whoever told us, whoever tested us said, oh, that's that's they might as well have had a meth lab in this house. I think there's, and yeah, no, no, you're go ahead. I, I, that's really it. I mean, it just really threw us off and we're just like, wow. And so then they went through the whole process of ripping out the drywall and this and that. And we're like, well, no, we don't, we don't even want to buy the house now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now that I'm a real estate agent, that's the first thing I recommend to everybody. Get your house tested for math,
2: especially here in Utah, because that seems to be the drug of choice. I kind of wish I had a nickel for every time someone tells me a story like that. Really? (laughs) So you hear a lot. You hear a lot of stories like that. Most people are surprised that that they find meth in their house. You wouldn't expect it. I mean, especially when a house is on the market for regular sale, it's typically been cleaned up. You know, they've got new paint, new carpet, everything looks good. It's on the market to sell. They're trying to show it nicely. You're not going to walk into that house and go, "I should definitely put an offer onto this (laughs) graffiti-smattered, you know, smelly, stinky thing that looks like a meth house." But because you know, meth—the actual chemical and the residue on the walls—you can't see it; it's not visible to the naked eye. You can't smell it. You don't know that it's there. I wouldn't recommend trying to taste it in most of the houses you're looking at buying. So you, know, you walk in, and it's like I, I don't really don't know if this is a meth house. What are the signs? I mean, there are some signs, but I'd are, say, are there what, what are are there some signs that listeners can keep an eye out for that you that you would tell them? I'd say all the stuff that you would normally expect it could be a good indicator but i wouldn't even know
0: know what to look for though i wouldn't know what to expect though that's the problem i I don't hang out with meth addicts right (laughs) you know what i mean so it's not like you know what to look for
3: well the houses are usually when when you see something it's usually a dirtier house like if you're walking into it as like an investor and to buy it with a realtor whatever you walk in it's dirtier smellier that's true and the you know, you're looking at the people that are living there or the neighbors are talking or the yards beat up. Those are things you're looking for in a home that's not rehabbed. When they're rehabbed, when they do that, it's really easy to hide it and it's hard to find it. That's why you do the test. Yeah.
2: Like hmm. Sometimes there are some red flags that you see in a house, right? There's the party lights, the black lights in the bedrooms, or when you see the improvised locks on the bedroom door. There was one house that we did where someone had tied the door handle off to uh, like an like an eyelet inside the the room using a bike chain, and they're just trying to find somewhere that they can lock the door and then hide in the room and smoke. Okay, I think landlords probably see that kind of thing firsthand more often than your typical home buyer or investors see it more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your typical retail home buyer, just you know, someone out looking for their new house. By the time they get to the house, all that stuff's usually gone. You know, whoever's selling it has cleared all that stuff away.
0: What is, what is the testing process even like? I mean, how do, you, how do you test?
2: Oh, that's a great question. So the testing process is very well standardized. Pretty much any home inspector knows how to do it, as well as anyone who's on the Utah State Certified Decontamination Specialists uh-huh. list. It's a mouthful, but that's our credential. Yeah. Um, so the test is done using an alcohol swab and a little cardboard square. So before I mentioned that the state limit is one microgram per hundred centimeters squared. So, they give us a little cardboard cutout that's exactly 100 square centimeters. So, 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters, about 4 inches by 4 inches. And you take that square and you go and put it wherever you're going to test. Okay. So, you put it up against the wall and then you take the alcohol swab and you swab and wipe the entire inside area of that square. You do it one time vertically and one time horizontally. So, you cover the whole square twice. And then usually we'll do what's called a composite test. So we'll test multiple areas on the same swab. So we've tested one area. Now we fold our swab over to get a clean side on it and walk to the next area that we're going to test, put the square on that area, and repeat the process. So most of the time, especially with like a home inspector test, you'll see where the inspector will test three or four or five different areas in the house all on the same sample. So then you take that sample to the lab and there's only five or six labs in the country that will process a meth test, but we're lucky. We have one of them right here in Taylorsville, ALS laboratories, and they're they're really great to work with. Uh, So they accept pretty much all the samples that come from everyone doing the testing in Utah and they take typically four business days to process a sample. You can pay a rush fee and get it done next business day if you want. They get you a nice little report that tells you what the total amount of meth was that came on your swab. And an average amount per each one of those areas that you tested. So that's kind of the testing procedure in a nutshell. And I guess one thing to keep in mind is you want to make sure you're testing the right areas in the house. So your inspector, whoever's doing the test, should know what they're doing. Uh, Pretty much most of them do. The one place you always want to get is inside the furnace or the cold air return right next to the
3: furnace. Why is that? So uh, Pre-filter. Yeah, you want to test pre-filter. You test inside the furnace because anything that comes into a home and the HVAC is running hits that HVAC it system goes right through uh, there. and goes mm-hmm. through there and it usually stops at that filter. Anything heavy gets blocked. The filter drops or gets trapped in that filter. So you always test pre-filter and inside the HVAC system huh. w- when accessible. Sure.
2: Right. Wow. You imagine someone smoking in a house and that smoke vapor, whatever room they're in, it's going to find its way to a cold air return and get cycled up into the furnace. And the meth molecule itself is kind of oily and sticky, and it really likes to stick to the dust that's in there. So the highest concentration in most houses, 98% of the time, is going to be in that cold air return right in front of the furnace filter, just like Eric was saying.
0: Do you guys have to deal with the homeowners very often or not probably
3: that often? All the time.
0: All the time. Do you ever find them trying to like ask you questions like, oh, well, uh, how you, you know, it could, maybe they're nervous that you're going to find out that there's been meth smoked in the house. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they start kind of getting kind of nosy with your process a little bit or.
3: Yeah. Some of them, some of them do like, yeah. especially if they they're guilty and they yeah, know that's, they've that's been what doing something, like, That's kind of but like, like, Hey, how long does it take to come back? And especially I do a lot for some organizations that we yeah. work with. And when I go in, they have to, you know, they have to give the tenants 24 to 48 hours notice that we're showing up to yeah. the test and walk in They're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What are you testing for? And I'm really tight lipped. I usually don't say anything because, you know, unless they're the paying client, I can't say anything. Sure, of course. <laughs> and, but they're like, and if they know, they're like, when do we get those tests back? And I'm like, oh, usually about four business days. And they're like, what happens at that point? I was like, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Because at a 1.0, higher than a 1.0, like a 1.1 is a fail. At that point, being certified decontamination specialist, we have to report it to the health department and then at that point it has to be decontaminated
1: so what does the that process look like of decontaminating so like I say i know mean, it's probably based on different levels so say like a 1.1 versus a, a higher number like christmas yeah day. like a 40s
3: or, or yeah. 50s uh the, the same process we go into the home any um porous material has to be removed carpet padding drapes furniture, anything that's in the home needs to be discarded. Basically, if it's not nailed down, it's coming out Um, mm-hmm. minus appliances. We can decontaminate appliances, but we go in, remove all the porous material. Then we go in and we decontaminate the entire HVAC, HVAC system. We go through the entire furnace, pull the blower motor, clean that entire thing, clean all the electronics by hand. And then the rest of it, we decontaminate that and we go through the entire house and we scrub the house, ceiling, walls, floors, a minimum of three times per state standard. Higher numbers require more, but it's usually, you know, it's from a one to hundred. It's about the same. Gotcha. So, and then more than that, it just depends on how dirty the house and I, is.
0: And I just picture you in like hazmat suits, right? Is that, are you wearing? Yeah. You yeah. Know? At the
3: very beginning when we're starting, we're in hazmat suits. We're in Tyvek um, suits with gloves, wow. respirators, boots. Um, After we've started treating and we're starting to get the numbers down. The guys are getting – because we keep the houses warm. Yeah. So the guys will actually, you know – Start taking them start off. Start taking stuff off. They always wear their respirators. They always wear their gloves yeah. and boots. The only thing that changes is the suit. So they have to wear their suits during the dirty part. And then when they're cleaning and they've gotten a few treatments in and then they they strip down to the – just their clothes – because it gets real hot in those Tyveks, and
1: oh yeah, I can summer
3: times horrible for them. They love me during the summer because <laughs> that's our busiest time of the year. in the summer because more houses are moving, mm-hmm. so more people are testing, more people are selling, and our, we get real busy. So they're constantly in the suits, and they're like, "Can we take them off yet?" I'm like, "Soon."
0: Yeah, Soon. I was going to say if I'm working with possible meth, I'd want to keep that thing on as long as possible, right?
3: Yeah, because you can get it through absorption, inhalation, injection, so just about any contact with meth you have to be worried about getting it into your system
0: <laughs> like guys i think i got a little bit here it's just uh, making my afternoon a little more fun right
3: <laughs> a little more energetic yes a little more energy i don't know i don't even know and what then the you're effects. skipping lunch too not just breakfast you're skipping right. lunch now
0: yeah, i don't even know what the effects of meth are you know but uh yeah i was looking on your website and it looks like you guys also decontaminate vehicles as well
2: oh yeah Is that that on the way in?
0: Is that, uh, I mean, I I would think that could even be more common
2: because people
0: think their vehicle is a safe place to go and smoke some meth,
2: right? Well, there's probably a couple of things that happen. And talking about the kind of procedures and methods, the methods, (laughs) Uh, Methods. uh, uh, there's there's actually a section of state law, uh, Utah code R600. 392-600. 392-600. Yeah, there we go. r 392 it. Yeah. Yeah. Utah code R392-600 uh-huh. um, lays out like step-by-step step what a decontamination process should look like for a home. Okay. There is no state standard for vehicles, but we started finding this a couple of years back. Um... It's gotten fairly common for criminals to steal a car, okay, and then use it to hot box. They to sit in the car, all the windows up, and smoke as much as they can, and keep the vapor inside the car. Sure. (laughs) So theft recoveries end up coming back, and the cars, you know, beat up and dirty, and sometimes there's drug paraphernalia, needles or whatever, in the car, and you know, it's sitting at the auto body shop where your insurance had it towed there to get cleaned up, looked at, repaired, whatever. And there's also meth contamination in the vehicle. So we've yeah found some demand for that and definitely been starting to help folks out with that issue as well.
0: And what would you have to do to a vehicle? I mean, would you just have to rip out all the upholstery and just pretty much
2: gut it and start over? Yeah, the process is pretty much the same. same and the science the is the yeah. same, yeah. yeah. But it'll depend on the vehicle. Uh, and it'll depend on the level too that we're testing at. Okay. Right? Sometimes we're pretty comfortable if the level's fairly low just treating the upholstery and testing it afterwards. Okay. So the issue there with uh, with pulling everything out of the house is, like I said, it's state law. Okay. So the state tells you, like, you have to pull the carpet and the padding and all the porous materials out because they're more difficult to test reliably. We don't have some of those same problems with the vehicle. So it kind of depends on the situation. And there are definitely vehicles that we test and the contamination pushes it over the line and now it's totaled. Okay.
3: Really? So that definitely happens too.
1: So you can get your car totaled? From from math from
3: meth. oh yeah oh sure it really? depends on the value of the car oh uh, depends <laughs> yeah. on the insurance yeah. company too some of them don't mess around they're like oh it's positive yeah nope, they total it out but the only thing is is when they do that it hits an auction block and ends up back on the market anyways right so I've been trying to talk to insurance companies to at least get it decontaminated before they send it off or rip everything out so someone's not getting a car. So would
0: you recommend somebody like, let's say they buy their car at an auction or something like that, would you recommend them to get their car tested for meth? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because I mean, you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like to me.
2: Well, the test isn't
3: terribly expensive either
2: do you care to share how much a test costs?
3: What are you charging for a test these days? Eric? Uh, for a car, it's $160 oh, that's for a not test, bad. and you get it back next day.
0: That's not bad at all. No. I mean, I would do that in a heartbeat. I didn't mm-hmm. know if it was like thousands of dollars, you no, know, no, I no. Mean. To I get, get a car tested
3: <laughs> and to wait. So you buy the car, you know, you buy a car, you've got so much time that you can return it if sure. there's something wrong with it. So I think it's 30 day lemon law or something. Yeah. So you test it for meth. you buy it, you have it tested for meth. test, it comes back positive, you take it back to the dealer be like, this is positive on you know, now you need to have it decontaminated and I don't want the car or decontaminate it and I'll still take it. Um, use car lot. If I buy a car, I test it. I don't want my family in a contaminated car because you're in a smaller confined area right where the HVAC system is literally blowing in your face constantly, so you're getting Yeah you will get the effects from it.
0: Well that's my first thought. I would have never even thought to get a car tested, but if you're sitting in it and if you have kids or whatever, I mean, I'm sure that long-term health that could affect you. And that kind of leads me into the next thing. I want to talk about your mold testing that you do too, because I've actually lived in apartments with mold in it. And, and I believe that they've affected certain things with my health now long-term. And I was just wondering, I mean, you probably see that a lot with people living in, in like with black mold in their homes. And I mean, that, that could affect your health.
2: Oh, definitely. I would imagine. Yeah, mold's a pretty serious issue. Um, there's some great information on the EPA's website about okay. it, if folks want to check it out. But there's a nice pamphlet that the EPA put together specifically for homeowners. So it's written, you know, to a homeowner to kind of answer your basic questions and it goes over partly the cleanup process as well, including some advice on uh when it's probably time to hire a contractor to help with a mold cleanup. And they have like a, a ten square foot or larger, it's so like a three foot by three foot square is kind of easy to picture if you're affected areas bigger than that, you probably need professional help. But yeah, definitely. We get called in for mold testing. The type of tests that we do, I'm not really a huge fan of like the little Home Depot Petri dishes you can get.
0: For mold testing?
2: Yeah, they kind of, I guess they're good for what they are, but they tend to uh, give a lot of misleading data. Really? Yep. Okay. So we'll use a metered air pump test. So we'll actually set up an air pump and it pumps a certain amount of air through a filter and that filter doubles as a microscope slide. So the filter captures whatever mold spores and skin cells and hair and whatever other Mm -hmm. gobbledygook is in your air in your house. And it ends up on the slide and we take that down to the lab and the lab technicians take the slide out. They look at it under a microscope and they are trained to identify different types of mold spores. So then they send us back a nice little report that says for that test you just took, here's the different types and the different quantities of mold. So we'll also do a sample for any test that we do outdoors to kind of get a baseline. And then we can look at the test results and say, okay, are are the mold spores in your house coming from just outdoors where, you know, mold occurs naturally in nature, breaking down the dead leaves or whatever? Or is this coming from a problem in your house that might indicate a water leak? And if is the mold type one that's known to be a common allergen and cause problems for people, we evolved as humans in the presence of mold. So there are some molds that tend not to bother people. And it's good to have that data and be able to see yeah I maybe there is a serious issue, and that's a report if you are having health problems, you can take to your doctor and say, "Hey, look, here's what's actually in my house and the doctor can take a look at it and discuss if there's something there for you to address interesting.
0: What's easier to get rid of meth or mold it depends. I think
3: mold well <laughs> We're really good at both. Well, mold at first because you can see the mold and you have to remove what you see right, yeah. and then you just purify the air and filter the air in the house, and you know you have what are they the air filtration devices we set up in the house's filter and scrub the air to clean out the, the mold spores. so i think cleaning molds a little bit easier depending on the situation versus meth because meth you can't see it all you have to test so like in meth when we test a house we're going in there blind like hopefully we did everything we need to do got it all done we test every room in the house and depending on those tests it tells us whether we're done or not. With mold, you can kind of look and see and smell if there's mold still in the house.
1: Hmm.
3: What, what do you there. guys see more of? Uh, we're more meth-based. That's <sighs> that's our major income. Mm-hmm. But we do see, like this time of year, is real high in mold. Spring's real high in mold. You get a lot of phone calls. Meth is year-round. So yeah. I guess that's where I disagree a little bit.
2: I mean – Maybe I think meth is easier just because we're better at it. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) We we do it the same way every time. You follow the process, follow the steps, and you got pretty good confidence going into testing. I mean, for us and for everybody in the industry, once in a while there's a surprise, and you go back and touch something up and make sure everything passes the state limits. But mold, it's like every
3: single job is different, and you're not really sure what you're getting into until you get into the job and tear it apart a little bit. True, yeah. Because when you're doing mold, it's not just a – cut and dry thing once you cut open a wall you start tracking it so you go in and uh, you get so high open up a can of worms yeah sometimes so, yeah and it, you think big. a job's gonna take you know it's 10 square feet and you're like okay i'll be in here in a you know a couple hours i'll be in and out and you start opening that wall next like, thing so you know the whole room needs to be done into the next room and you're like um we need to talk to the homeowners because at that point because you give them a bid, but it, unfortunately mold can be an open-ended bid because it can grow so and it's growing as you're working you know you're pulling the walls open and it just keeps growing and you're like well (laughs) let's we need you know call the client like you got a huge problem here and usually we can find once we find the mold and get it all out we'll find where the leaks are at and where everything's at and can be like hey you need to get this you know taken care of or it'll come back it doesn't matter what you do if you don't take care of the water intrusion problem
2: that's part of why we like the test method that we use because you can detect a mold issue even if you can't see it yeah you know the spores will still be present in the air even if the mold is back behind the wall somewhere and you don't necessarily see it visually in a in an inspection
0: very cool what other services you guys offer any other services or i guess those three services are it um, um we counseling, and med- yeah. Yeah. counseling and therapy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> it comes I, with it. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say that could be a stressful thing for whether you're the homeowner or the possible future homeowner.
2: But it definitely is. I mean, all, all these issues, especially meth. I mean, you even just say the word and people are already having visceral emotional reactions. Sure. So most of the people that call us are, yeah, they're in a stressful situation. They're worried and they pretty much always think it's worse than it's really going to be.
0: Now, why wouldn't people test for other drugs? Is that is that possible, or is there really even a re- reason that
3: meth is the one that's been standardized? It's the one that there's actual laws okay. in effect. There's there's standards on it. The um, trying to think who it is who set up all those laws. Well, the um, California Department of Health did most of the science back in the early two thousands.
0: I mean, I guess it's the dirtiest like street drug.
3: Yeah. Really. Well, meth. The process of making meth. The street process, like if you do a P two P method or Birch method, yeah. there's a lot of heavy metals in it. There's a lot of things okay. that are real unhealthy, unhealthy for people. So it's you know it's a little more dangerous because you know they give meth, actual methamphetamine or Ritalin, True. to ADD kids where it's laboratory grade. It's not you know and it's controlled. It's made under controlled situation where the meth that we're dealing with. Is in the homes that's been made in the street, or down in Mexico where they're they're shipping it up, or wherever they're making it, bringing it up. Um, It's dirty meth. There's a lot of other things in it besides just methamphetamine. And methamphetamine for me, you know, I'll bounce off walls. I can't control myself. I can't control my thoughts. I'm all over the place. Where if someone with ADD, it actually calms them down. So most of the population that's doesn't hmm. riddling or. Or methamphetamine is, is fine, but. Hmm. Interesting, interesting.
2: Well, the other issue with meth versus other um, illicit drugs, meth and fentanyl are kind of the two most popular synthetic drugs. Okay. So they're, they're not naturally occurring. Most drugs that we're used to thinking about, like cocaine or marijuana, I mean, they're plants, they're plant-based.
3: So they actually break down on their own. Even yeah. heroin in that fact. And heroin and meth walk hand in hand. We find heroin right with the methamphetamine. Yeah. So rock bottom drugs, yeah. Jesus so
0: drugs. so will hair? Will it show back on your test that there is heroin?
3: There? Uh, we can do a test For that heroin. does like multiple okay. drugs. So um, if they're just worried about drugs in general, yeah. Sorry, I mean cut you off, but yeah, if you want to just know if there's drugs in your house in general, they can do like a broad spectrum test. Hmm. Um, costs a little more, but it's it can be done. But if you want just like THC. Um, marijuana test, yeah. that has to be done on a completely different swab, different test, everything because the process is different from the lab. I got gotcha. you.
2: Those tests don't get asked for as much, and and those drugs don't concern health departments as much because they break down on their own. Yeah. They, they don't hang around. So you know, the plant-based drugs might break down within days to weeks to maybe months in most conditions in a the house. There's varying estimates for how long it takes meth to break down they go up as high as a half-life of 250 years. You know, if it's out of the sunlight, out of the moisture, so conditions like inside your furnace, that you know, our great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren will find half as much meth as we find today. So, so because meth and fentanyl are um, you know, man-made, manufactured artificial drugs, they just don't break down. They last longer. So the only way that that's coming out is a decontamination process. And with fentanyl being on the rise, I think we'll probably see some standards and legislations for that in the future. I hope that we do,
3: but the science is kind of really there for meth, and that's why it's easy to standardize and have laws. And meth, and well, fentanyl's just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than meth. You can come in contact with meth, and you can feel the effects, and have maybe have some problems from it later. But fentanyl, get it through absorption, it can kill you. So, and that's a huge thing with law enforcement and our line of work. I'm constantly telling my guys, make sure you wear your gloves constantly because if they accidentally touch something they shouldn't, you know, a white powdery substance or grab a pail to throw it away and don't realize it's a fentanyl pail, it can kill you.
0: Wow. Dude, I've learned so much this afternoon. (laughs) This is crazy. You know, never in a million years would I have guessed that. You know, there would be, it would be this intense to, to get something like meth cleaned up. You know, a lot of people don't realize start that dirty habit. It could just not only ruin your life, but ruin your house too. You know, so how can, how can, um, listeners get a hold of you? Like let's say they were interested in getting some tests done on their uh, future house or current house. How would they get, they reach out to you guys?
2: So the easiest thing is to get us by phone. Okay. 801-888-6698. That's the best phone number to reach us at. There is also a lot of great information on our website, dot com. Okay. And all the contact us information is there as well. But that's a great place to go and just find some answers to basic questions. Um, we get asked a lot of the same questions really frequently. We try to put some of that information on the website, kind of hoping again that it'll help uh, calm some folks down. I mean, it's a serious issue. It needs to be dealt with. But most people think it's going to be a lot worse than it really is. So as soon as you can start finding some good information and get some good expertise in your corner... really helps you feel better about whatever side of the transaction you're on with a house.
0: And I know you're on Instagram as well, because I know that's where we've connected. We sure so, are. So people can uh, connect with you on there too. It's just AEIDCon as well, I believe, on there as well. Yeah,
2: that's the easiest way to find us. I think the actual handle is Utah Meth Cleanup Masters. Oh, th- there you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's There it is. And yeah, if you and search
3: for us with AEIDCon, you'll find us. Yeah, And okay. we have a Facebook page also. Okay. So people contact us through, through Messenger on that. And... Usually we try to respond as fast as we can. That one, I watch it, and then we've got uh, another person that also watches it, so we try to respond as fast as we can. Um, I think that's it for social media, though, right now, isn't it? Anything else? I mean,
1: anything else you want to ask them, TJ, why, why we have them or anything? No, I mean, uh, they did a great job covering everything. I mean, I didn't know it was so in-depth. <laughs> yeah. Testing and the, the whole process. Well, we won't well, scratch well,
3: the surface. Well, with disclosure, though, let's, we can – yeah. If it's a couple
2: couple pointers for real estate, yeah, 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 a
3: couple pointers. So, with disclosure laws with methamphetamine, so if it tests positive for meth above the state limit, um, it has to be disclosed. You have to disclose it. Um, being a realtor, finding out it's positive, you have to disclose it. If you drop it and someone else picks it up, you know, we ask that they share that information, disclose it so that someone's not left out of the loop. Um, homeowners should disclose it, but they don't always. So, um, once it's been disclosed, it gets remediated or decontaminated. Once that happens, it's like it never happened. It comes off the list. You don't have to disclose it. It's gone. It's been taken care of.
0: That's good to know.
3: So, Hmm. just as long as you get it taken care of, it can come back to bite you if you don't follow the laws. Um, There's been lawsuits and people have lost a lot of money. Like what?
2: Businesses. Give me an example. What well, would it be? We've, we've acted as expert witnesses a handful of times. Um, so I can't give a whole lot of details, but the basic gist is yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's a, a question on the Utah State Disclosure Schedules that says, Are you aware of any current contamination caused by the use, storage, or manufactured methamphetamine? So most people market no, because either they're not aware or There's no current contamination. All right, so, if I don't know there's meth in my house, I'm going to market no. If I knew there was meth and I got it cleaned up, I'm still going to market it no. It's like Eric was saying, once it's cleaned up, it's like it never happened. Uh, and there have been situations where there have been buyers who bought a house, moved in, family got sick, started trying to figure out why, had some meth testing done, found meth in the house, and then they were able to make a pretty strong case that the seller's did know that there was meth and still marked the disclosures as no. And uh, in situations like that, you can pull in a lot of different parties into the lawsuit. So there's been situations where in in addition to going after the seller, the buyers may also go after the seller's agent, the lending company and the title company all have some liability in those situations. So you definitely want to be sure that it gets done the right way. Uh, The disclosure is handled properly and I mean, it's always better to err on the side of better safe than sorry, you know if you're not sure, get some testing done if If there's something that's ambiguous, say hey, maybe there's an issue I mean, it's a lot better to say, you know here's uh maybe an estimate for getting meth cleaned up that we, as the sellers, have solicited ourselves, so we know what it's going to cost, and this is going to be done as part of the transaction. Uh, and kind of have everything up front or to say we had a cleanup done and here's a copy of the 50 page report with the before and after photos that's been signed off by the County health department. And you can have that now as the buyers, as part of your due diligence going forward, it just seems better to kind of play on that side of things rather than hoping that nobody ever finds out.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, you hear that TJ, yeah. they can come after you, buddy. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: they could come after me too though. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's good. That's good information. I appreciate you. Well, sharing that
2: one thing that we try to do to help real estate agents as well. We do offer a one hour core credit CE class about meth. Okay. It is literally called meth. What you need to know. <laughs> so, um, Utah realtors and actually it's been accepted by Idaho as well. Idaho realtors can get one hour of core credit towards their continuing education for coming to the class, which covers a lot of the stuff we've talked about here, uh, as well as some pretty gnarly photos and, you know, a, a whole, uh, a series of meth jokes that we've spent years fine tuning to make sure it stays entertaining.
0: <laughs> Do you care to share a meth joke right now? Oh man! <laughs> Come on, you said it. You if you got a meth joke, I opened that
2: can of worms, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did.
0: Is, are they like a good dad joke or something? Is it just like a silly, like a knock knock joke or? Can what I did?
2: hear me. I'll I'll give you a story. Can I give you a story? Sure. Okay. So this uh, this did actually happen. It's been a few years now. There was a routine traffic stop. And I want to say it was in Summit County, you know, east part of Utah. Eric's already rolling his eyes. He's like, this one again. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
3: It's a good one. It's a good good one. Okay.
2: So routine traffic stop. The officer is suspicious. Ask the driver to get out of the car. He's going to search the vehicle. So he's, you know, calling him back up and doing all the police procedures like they're supposed to. Meanwhile, our driver, you know, stand on the side of the, of the road. You know, any drugs in the car? Oh, no, of course not, officer. Right. But he's over there with really bad restless leg syndrome. He's just shaking his leg. Now, uh, a little bit of background on this. I mentioned before, there's not a whole lot of meth labs these days. I mean, we crack down on them as a country pretty hard, and they're relatively easy to spot. A lot of meth that the partiers are making is made using a method called shake and bake. Okay. Yeah. So you put a bunch of ingredients that usually include, um like, you know, Sudafed and battery acid and lighter fluid and... Um, lithium. Yeah, you know, lithium and drain cleaner. And you put all that in the bottle. And that's why if you ever have like a cold and a plugged drain at the same time. And you go to buy supplies at Walmart, you end up in the security office. (laughs) They're they're looking like for people who are buying all these ingredients at once. You put it on a bottle and you shake the bottle and you periodically have to open the lid and let the gases out that are building up or it explodes. Really safe activity, right? Ah. Uh, So if you shake in the bottle, you open it periodically and off gas it. And at the end you end up with some crystal meth that salts out of the solution and you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. So, our driver had one of these bottles in his pocket and he's trying to shake it without the cops noticing because you don't, you got to keep shaking it or, you know, the, the acid dissolves the bottle and you have all kinds of problems and you've, you've also got to reach down and off gas the, the gases that are building up, like open the lid and let them out. And If you don't do that, the bottle explodes and once it hits oxygen, it ignites. So after a while, since he can't like reach down to his pocket because the cops are right there, the bottle blows up. Like, like, yeah. r- really blows up. Yeah, like Bruce Willis' movie, Explosion, boom, right in his hip pocket. Okay. And of course, as soon as the ingredients hit oxygen, it catches on fire, right? So it's burning, and he's rolling around the ground, putting him out, and they take him to the hospital, and they take him after that to jail, and this is a real-life story of Liar Liar Pants on Fire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, that was good. Uh, I'm yeah. glad. I-, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was... Uh- that's a, is that a real story, though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a real story. Yeah, wow. that's, a, that's a real story. I mean, like,
3: I added the liar, liar, pants sure, on fire. Sure, <laughs> sure, but Yeah, and there, there's there's one just like it that I know of that a gal was walking through Walmart and had one of those in her backpack. You know, she's walking around because you're walking and shaking in her backpack, and she stopped periodically and opened it, and, you know, she didn't stop often enough, and it lit her backpack on fire. And, you know, so she's running through Walmart on fire. Wow. Say no to drugs, kids.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, life is, life is awesome without that stuff. You guys don't, uh, don't worry about keeping shaking that stuff. You know, what? that whole process just, that's wild. Just keep shaking that bottle. Keep <laughs> shaking <laughs> that. So now, now we, that's a good, uh, keep your eyes out for people with restless leg syndrome, right? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Any other stories? Any other thing else before we let you guys go? I guess.
3: Well, hoard, with we'll hoarder houses, because we okay. do hoarders. Well, yeah. we do hoarders. So, you know, with, with comes hoarders, comes smells okay. and yeah. wonderful things. So with our process, we eliminate a lot of those smells and can get the house smelling pretty well, get rid of nicotine, okay. from cigarette smoke, get that smell knocked way, way down. Um, cat urine smell, we can do it. It takes a little more, costs a little more, but we can do cat urine. It's it's rough. So expect to take a rough time. on you or rough on the, the process. Yes. yes, a little yes. of, <laughs> yes. a little of cool. all. So, yeah, because cat urine smell—that's a hard one to get rid of.
0: But and that's good to know. Like, if you want to resell your house, or like, let's say you have rent renters in there that like maybe smoked in a bedroom and they weren't supposed to, or they had cats in a bedroom and they weren't supposed to, and yep. now the smell is really bad and you need to get rid of it, call these guys up, right? Yeah, so,
3: yeah deal we with we,
2: both tobacco, cats, occasional dead bodies. Yeah, we do occasional
3: dead bodies cleanup. So. Right.
2: Really, we'd wow. rather get a call about cats. Yeah, sure. yes. seriously.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: cats in a dead body with the cats, <laughs> right? right. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. bad. bad
2: stories about that, right?
3: We've yeah. done bio cleanup for in cars for you. At, well, then We just call it bio cleanup. Right. <laughs> you can use your imagination <laughs> yeah. or not. Yeah. Just, just anything you can think. Um, meth users are pretty dirty, yeah, all the way around. So. If, Wow! Anything you can think of that associates with that, we, we've cleaned it out. We're both trying not to talk about the buckets,
1: <laughs> the
0: or buckets,
3: the buckets, or the four, or, or the or the four foot hoarder house one. Oh yeah,
0: what what uh, the but- so so, uh, so
3: we're going. So he calls me up. and He's like, "Hey, we need to walk through on this house. It's a hoarder house. The lady, unfortunately, she was mentally ill, and they were putting her in a home. But mm-hmm. she needed to sell the house to help pay for her her being in a yeah. home. Yeah." Mm-hmm. So I go through, and I'm with my camera or with my phone, and I'm fully suited up because I know it's nasty. I can barely get the door open. I slide in, and I'm not a small guy anymore. You know, gaining some weight over the years. But yeah. so I'm going through this these trails, and there's there's dog feces like four four inches deep oh, in, the, in, the, yeah. in the family room or the living room. Sorry, they won't let us on hoarders on the tv shows yeah Yeah. no we're nasty (laughs) and i'm going through and you can tell she's got some hoarding issues because she buys the same things in the kitchen i'm like and it's all organized but there's just tons of it tons and tons of it so i'm like going through and i go and i go in the bathroom open the door and there is the chocolate ice cream cone the massive chocolate ice cream cone four feet on top of the toilet I have no idea. This lady was only like five feet tall or less. They had shut her water and her sewer off, and she was still and using the toilet to... four feet high. Just, just taking big dumps right there, and just you know, just in letting it, it pile up, and then in buckets, and and she was she was she was, was she embarrassed Ill. or anything? I mean, no, was, she's mentally ill, so she didn't even know she was doing anything we wrong. We never met
2: her, but by, by the oh, time we got okay. to the house, okay. um, there there was an investor who was actually really great about working with her and her family. Uh, and he was the one that hired us and brought us in, but they had already moved her to a home. You know, the the health department had gotten involved as well and realized that there were issues because the plumbing was turned off. So her house was yellow tagged, which is a color we usually see red tags for meth, and this was a yellow mm-hmm. tag for um, uh, sanitary conditions. So they'd already got her into a home; she was getting care, you know, being properly cared for. And there's, uh, of course, some mental health issues as well as she was getting older. So by the time we got into it, the investor had bought it to fix it up. Take care of all these issues, and he had worked with her and her family as you know way to set up the proceeds of the house to help cover the treatment, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, by the time we got there, it was just uh, just a mess. Wow, yeah, a
3: lot of the mess. <laughs> yeah, tiny little walkways
2: about a a foot, yeah, about ten inches to a foot wide in between the stacks of boxes and papers and everything else. And Then you get you get through that first level in a hoarder house where all the kind of newer stuff is being stacked. And then there's everything that's, you know, kind of slowly years decaying. Passed. Wow. There, there was one house that we did where the lady had kept, um, you know, newspapers. So we're kind of like flipping back and like going through the years. Hey guys, we're back to 1977 now. And you know, that lady had done some, cr- some uh, cool stuff earlier in her life. She had been um, a poll worker okay. for elections, right? And so some of that's, well, I know because some of the paperwork was good. in her house <laughs> way back yeah. at the bottom. But, yeah, sometimes, you know, the, these folks in your heart just breaks for what can maybe happen to them later in life, especially if they don't have you know, as great a family support for whatever reason. And
3: well, she was she was well off because she had a lot of money stacked in between books and newspapers and stuff all that throughout one, yeah. that house. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. And we saved it because I believe that was the one where the neighbors were paying for it to help, help out. And so we just saved all that money for them and put it in the jar. I was like, here here's to pay the bill. Yeah. A (laughs) lot of times the order house
2: will tell the guys, you can imagine it's nasty, gnarly work and to help guys kind of stay motivated maybe, or at least feel like their work is more appreciated. We'll tell me if you guys find anything here that you want to clean up and usually what they find is, you know, a $20 bill tucked in somewhere. And so the guys get a little cash bonus. But yeah, that house, that first one where the lady had just gone to the home, um, I think one of the workers found a purse that had like seven hundred dollars of cash yeah. or something in it. Yeah, it had a and ton of money in it. That one was a rent for like you know, you really ought to give that back to the family to help with the coverage
3: because we kind of knew what was going on there. And wow, we gave him all a nice bonus when the job was. Yeah, gone. and he did. Yeah, he's like he gave it over. He was happy about it. He gave it to him, and then you know us, you know, real nice, you know. The good deed that he did, we gave him a cash bonus at the end of the job and helped him out because he was like, Oh, yeah, woo. and was like, Well, and we kind of told him the story. He's like, Oh, yeah, I'll give it back to him, no problems. So he he was a really kind hearted guy. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. He moved on. Yeah. Really wow. missed the help.
1: Right. <laughs> you probably have a
0: pretty decent turnover rate with that kind of work, I would imagine, though.
2: We do, yeah. I mean, it's a tough job. Yeah, as I wouldn't you can imagine,
0: imagine people, say, you know, like, I'm done with this, I'm done cleaning up these four foot piles of poop, you know?
2: Yep. We've had some good people that have stayed with us for yeah. a long time, but yeah, for a lot of them, it's a, it's a step on the way. I don't think there are very many kindergartners right now saying uh-huh. when I grew up, I want to be a meth
3: guy. Yeah. I'm working on that. <laughs> hey, I go to the schools and I teach about the drugs and the meth cleanup. And I'm yeah. like, if everybody's in to look for a job when they graduate from high school, Hey,
1: call me.
0: <laughs> you know what though? The job is needed, you know? And so I'm, I'm grateful for you guys out there. So thank you. Thank thank you. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode. Again, give your number so people can reach out. What's your number, phone number again?
2: So AEIDcon, Uh 801-888-6698. Find us at AEIDcon.com.
0: Awesome, awesome. And uh, TJ, give your information for listeners. Yeah, for sure. You can give you.
1: me a call at 801-694-1733, or you can email me at tj at myccmortgage.com.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking to buy a house and you want to get pre-approved, TJ's the man for that. So reach out to him, get pre-approved. And then when you're ready to start looking, hit me up. I'll show you all the awesome houses in the Valley. Find you your, uh, your dream home. Give me a call. 801-244-2908 is my number. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast in whatever podcast player you listen to the podcast in. We're in all the apps from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to uh, Pandora. And uh, on that note, you guys have a great week and we'll see you on the next episode.